0: Hello friends, welcome to Redefining Volunteerism, a podcast by Hands on Twin Cities. I'm Tracy Nielsen, the Executive Director of Hands on Twin Cities, and I'm your host. Today we have Heather Welpley joining us. Heather is a speaker, coach, and author of the book, An Overachiever's Guide to Breaking the Rules, How to Let Go of Perfect and Live Your Truth. An overachiever since birth, Heather has learned to let go of the inner critic, telling her that she always needed to do more and be more. Seeing her own challenges in so many women led her to facilitate webinars and workshops on imposter syndrome, overcoming perfectionism, and creating your own rules for success. Heather is also the former board chair of Hands On Twin Cities and brought so much energy, enthusiasm, and passion to our organization. But even though her term's over, there's no getting away from us. Listen in as Heather and I talk about how to get started as a volunteer and how our own inner critic can sometimes show up, even in volunteerism. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, let's kick things off. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your work?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. I am excited to be here today. Um, yeah, my official tagline is that I am a speaker, coach, and author that guides women to let go of proving, pleasing, and perfecting. Um, I do that work because partly because I lived it myself. I am a classic overachiever since birth and really have learned to let go of all of those rules that we play and all of those layers layering on top of us, telling us that we always need to be doing more and doing better and go, 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 and just keep pushing through. So it's partly because I lived it myself, but also it's because these are the things, the proving, the people-pleasing, the perfectionism that I saw getting in the way of mostly women experiencing as much joy in their lives as they could, but also having the greatest impact that they can in their work and in their life as a whole, whether that's through volunteering or other aspects of their life. And so I've been doing this for a couple of years. And prior to that, I worked in HR and leadership development roles in different companies uh, before starting my business. And I also recently moved from Minnesota to Colorado and because I love to hike and I love the outdoors. And I'm excited to be here exploring all that the state has to offer and to be here today,
0: having this conversation with you. Excellent. Uh, love the topic. Definitely can relate to it <laughs> um, as another fellow um, overachiever and somebody really concerned about uh, you know trying to get it right and perfectionism. Yes, I can relate and definitely have already been reading Heather's book. So uh, thank you so much for joining us, um, Heather. You know we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of. Um, Perfectionism and imposter syndrome within volunteerism. But maybe we can just start out since we are hands on Twin Cities and a volunteer center. Can you tell us a little bit about your own personal experience with volunteerism throughout your life?
1: Absolutely. So I think volunteering has been in my life really since birth, it's been a part of my family as long as i can possibly remember so my mom was a teacher in st paul public schools and she just naturally was always looking for needs to fill so even if we weren't officially going and you know signing up for a 4 hour volunteer activity on a saturday afternoon our house was frequently filled with things that were for her students families or just different needs things that she was gathering from her friends that she could pass along to people who needed them at christmas time our entire house was filled with gifts and i would go along to deliver deliver gifts to different families across the Twin Cities and and financial giving was always a part of our family culture growing up as well. And so I just grew up thinking that that was kind of expected and not in a, not in a bad way, not in a weight of like, oh, you have to do this, but just a part of our family culture. And as I grew up, then I just automatically always looked for ways to get involved in the community. So whether that, you know, in high school and college, that was you know small volunteering things, or maybe volunteering through my church. And as I got into my twenties and thirties, it was more purposeful volunteering of thinking about like, what do I really want to do? Um, What's the impact that I want to have? And so I volunteered. I was a big, big sister through big brothers, big sisters for a couple of years and really enjoyed that experience of building that that one-on-one relationship with, with a young girl. Um, I also volunteered a lot with Three Rivers Park District when I lived in Minnesota because my undergrad degree is actually in conservation biology, and I taught environmental education Before I did the work that I'm doing right now. So it was a really fun way to be able to use those skills in a completely different capacity and bring a different passion of mine of bringing the outdoors to kids and to families that I wasn't able to have in my day to day work, but I still, it was still really important to me. And then I got the opportunity to join the Hands on Twin Cities board, which I'd never been on a board before um, and was able to be on that board and, and really volunteer in a totally different capacity, which ended ended last year with me being the board chair for Hands On Twin Cities right before I moved to Colorado. So I, I see a lot of evolution in, in my volunteerism throughout the years, but I think it'll always be a part of my life because I think I grew up that way. And it's just really important for me to, to give back to the community and to use the skills that I have in a way that is hopefully helpful to others.
0: Absolutely. Did you feel like your experiences in childhood and youth like sort of formulated or shaped the way that you approached it in your 20s? I mean, you know, all of us sort of go off to college or, you know, have the experience of coming into our own. Um, How do you, how did you, you know, you mentioned the tie to your um, education what were other ways that were sort of guiding you towards the organizations that you wanted to engage in as an adult? I think
1: that's a great question. And I I think for me on a pretty selfish level, I was really looking for what are the gaps that of values and activities in my life that I'm not getting from other parts of my life that I can get through volunteering? So like, I always loved working with kids, but I knew I didn't want to do it for my career long-term, but that's where the Big Brothers, Big Sisters came from. And in Three Rivers Park District, I worked mostly with kids there as well at different events and just got to bring that really fun, playful, outdoorsy side of me um, in a way that was contributing where people needed volunteers in those spaces. So it felt like like a real win-win, where you know I had gaps in, in my life of like this is an area that that I want to be filled up with myself, but there were also needs out there in the community for, for those gaps. So it felt like a real win-win. Um, so that's really what I was looking for, you know, as I was volunteering was things that would be fun <laughs> and where I could contribute. Because I, I didn't want it to feel like it was something I quote unquote had to do. I really wanted to look forward to volunteering and look for you. Know, if I was spending four hours on a Saturday afternoon, I wanted it to be enjoyable for me because then it would be enjoyable for people around me as well.
0: Absolutely. And thinking about your book, um, An Overachiever's Guide to Breaking the Rules, How to Let Go of Perfect and Live Your Truth, um, you just mentioned something that I was curious. You know, a lot of us feel like I just have to volunteer because it is the right thing to do. Um, You know, you talked a little bit about this already, but how do we really shape our own experiences and like get beyond that idea of like, I'm just doing this because it's the right thing to do. And all I can think of when I volunteer is maybe going to a food shelf. Um, You know, like how do we get beyond that and um, move towards our own gratification?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question because I think to a certain degree, it's okay if there's a little bit of I should be doing this because like, we're all humans. And we should be supporting each other and connecting with each other. But that can look a lot of different ways, right? Um, and because you know, we both give and receive in that area of, of connection and volunteering and support throughout our lives in different ways. But at the same time, I never want anyone to think, and I don't personally believe that volunteering is a check the box activity. And I think this can particularly come up with, um, I mean, you were talking about going to a food shelf or something like that, where it's like, yeah, okay, I better do that. Or because, work is doing it. I better sign up. I think it can also, from an achiever perspective, really come up with Board service of like, wow! Well, if this is the thing I should do because it's going to contribute to my career and you know put myself out there, and there's so much more to being on a board than than having it look good on your resume. <laughs> um, and so I just think there's you know we can start to really look at you know what are your personal reasons uh, for wanting to volunteer, no matter what that volunteering looks like. What are the skills that you have that you want to contribute, and what do you have capacity for? You know, I think there are times and places in. in Each of our lives where we can give more. And there's times and places in our lives where it's not the season where we can give a lot because we just don't have a lot to give in that moment. And I think that's okay too. You know, I hear as I'm working with a lot of women. I hear a lot of guilt over, well, I should be doing more in every aspect of their lives. I should just always be doing more. I should be giving more. I should be everything to everyone. And if you're feeling that way, your cup is going to be drained all of the time. And so I, I think it's okay to say in your life, like, this is maybe not the season for me to be on a board, or this is not the season for me to have a weekly volunteering commitment. Um, and that's okay too. So I think it's really taking that stock of what do you enjoy? What are your skills? Um, What do you have the capacity for? And then, of course, like, what does the community need as well? And and is there an overlap between all of those things?
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, many of us think that we have to be signing up for a long-term opportunity, but there are sort of those those chances to, you know, go for an hour or two to do something versus taking on that long-term two-year board commitment. Um, speaking of board commitments, so, um, one of, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, so, you know, you had, um, not served on a board prior to coming to Hands On Twin Cities, and I know that your area of expertise is around imposter syndrome, um, can you tell us, Like, did you experience any sense of imposter syndrome? And maybe we can start by defining first for those who don't know, what is imposter syndrome um, and start there. Perfect. Yeah.
1: We'll start there because I'm sure some people are probably scratching their heads right now and other people are like, oh yeah, I've definitely heard of that and know exactly what it is. But I'm guessing even if you've never heard of it before, as soon as I describe it, you're going to say, oh yeah, I think I've experienced some of that in my life. So to a certain degree, imposter syndrome is self-explanatory. It is feeling like an imposter or like a fraud, it is experiencing that self-doubt or insecurity about your skills, qualifications, and experiences. But here's the crux. It's the even though you are actually successful, qualified, ready to, to do the thing that you want to do. And so it's really this internal mismatch of where you think your skills, qualifications, and experiences are versus where they actually are, which is typically much higher. And it's something you experience. So even though it's that, you know, it has the word syndrome in it, it sounds like a psychological diagnosis, It is not. For most people, it comes and goes. I do have some people that have told me, you know, Heather, every single day on my way to work, I feel like today is going to be the day they realize I have no idea what I'm doing. And someone comes taps me on the shoulder and escorts me out the door. So there are some people who really do experience imposter syndrome day in and day out. For a lot of people, though, it comes and goes around certain people or in certain situations like during career transition or in a meeting or when you're taking on a leadership role, which we'll talk about in just a second, where these situations come on and it's like, oh God, do I really know enough to do this? Do I have enough of a level of expertise to to do this thing, to go for that job, to be a leader? Do I really belong here? Have I just been fooling everyone to this point? Have I pulled a wool over their eyes and I just got lucky and it's only a matter of before I'm completely found out. So if you've experienced any of those kind of feelings at any point, that's really what imposter syndrome is. A lot of it starts in our head with those thoughts that I just experienced, but then unfortunately it does have real impact out in the real world as well. And, and so as it relates to board service and particularly me being coming onto the hands-on twin cities board, Tracy, you're right. I'd never been on a board before. And I happily joined the board several years ago. Then I became the leadership development committee chair, which I felt good about that. Like my background was in HR and leadership development. I didn't experience a whole lot of imposter syndrome around that, that kind of mini leadership role, I guess you could say, committee leadership role. But then when I was asked to take on the board chair role, I experienced so much imposter syndrome that I actually said no. <laughs> it wasn't a hard no, it was more of a, I will do that, but I need another year because I am not ready. I need a year to study. I need a year to observe what's going on, to learn what this role was, and then I will become the board chair. And to, so to a degree, that year was helpful. I did learn. I was able to watch you know, in more detail how meetings were run, what the process was, how to engage people. But looking back, now that I'm finished with the experience... I absolutely could have done it the first time around, and I was convinced in my head that I was not ready, did not have the skills, did not have the qualifications, partly because I had never been on a board before and partly because I think it was a surprise to me, and so I hadn't really been – I just hadn't been – like, I hadn't thought about that trajectory for myself in in the moment, Um, and so, yeah, I experienced it so much that I said no – and i have seen it in so many other people and not not just this board but other people particularly as it relates to board experience and i've heard the exact same story that i just shared with multiple other people as well where either they said no or i'm not ready Or they said yes, but felt like they had absolutely no idea what they were doing and they better prove themselves and they better go above and beyond to prove to everyone that it it is okay that I'm in this role, like I actually know what I'm doing, even though I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And so we know that this... yeah, it impacts a lot of people. And, and you can also see as I'm talking how this might impact your career and other things as well. But since we're here talking about volunteerism, it, it comes up huge. And I've see, I've heard it from a lot of other executive directors as well. So I know it's it's not just my own personal experience.
0: Absolutely. So what are some of the things that sort of got you over the hump? Like when you're having this experience and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, we've been doing a lot more work with pro bono. So, you know, this could play out in in board service. It could play out in pro bono work. I mean, and it could even play out in just showing up as a volunteer in any way. Um, how do you sort of reel back that fear and take the step to actually dive into these roles that might challenge you?
1: Yeah. So a couple things immediately come to mind. So one is that you don't need to know everything. And in fact, I think that's actually a detriment to think that you have to know everything or to feel like you're coming in and and knowing everything or giving other people the answers because frequently as volunteers, we're going into an organization or into a community where we don't know everything and we shouldn't know everything. And it's not good to come in with that that attitude of like, I have to know everything and I have to have the answers. And so I think just having some self-compassion for yourself and realizing that it's actually helpful to go in with a learning attitude and say, yeah, I can build on the skills that I have, but also I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know everything when I get started. I can learn from others. I can learn as I go. And a couple of things can help you with this. So one is what I call like looking for the real evidence. So sometimes that is looking for the evidence of your actual skills, qualifications, and experiences, and if this is really hard for you to think of your own skills qualifications and experiences i find this especially in i think in minnesota where we have this attitude of humility <laughs> Um, it can be very hard to own your experiences and your skills. You can ask for that feedback from others as well and really give yourself that permission to let it sink in and say like, yeah, I am good at these things. Like maybe I've never been a board chair before, but I have these other experiences and these other skills that I can bring to, to the situation. So reminding yourself of your skills, your qualifications and experiences because our brains so often, I mean, we are we are wired to be looking for where we have gaps. We are we're wired to be looking for Problems to solve for the negative things out there. I mean, this truly, this even has a name. It's called negativity bias. And so, when we are looking for the positive, when we are looking for that actual, real evidence of our skills, qualifications, and experiences, then we're just trying to balance out what the the fact that our brain is swinging in the other direction so naturally. And so, it's, it's actually helping us to have a more realistic picture of what's going on. But the other part of this is reminding yourself of other times in your career or in your life where you also had no idea what you were doing. And you figured it out anyway, because there's going to be times when you don't know what you're doing. There were definitely times as a board chair. I mean, I remember leading my, facilitating my first meeting and not realizing, like, I didn't feel like I knew the right words to say, like, how do I really take a vote? Even though I had notes written down in front of me, I was really nervous about some of those little kind of more procedural things, but how do I do this? And I didn't completely know what I was doing. And that was okay. I figured it out along the way. And so those things can be really helpful um, in just in helping you to move forward with, with your own imposter syndrome. And honestly, even just naming the fact that you are experiencing imposter syndrome can be very helpful. The other thing that I'll say to this is just in general, when you're experiencing doubt as a whole or imposter syndrome, is having something that you can do to release it. And so for me, like dancing, writing, going for a hike, doing something that gets me both centered and calm, but a physical release of some of that energy, anxiety, emotion that I am feeling to get out there to clear your head so that you can have a more, um, just a more clear headed approach to what you're, what you're doing.
0: Giving yourself to s- the space to sort of process those exactly. things. And, exactly. And exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a question about sort of how we balance what's going on inside with that, as you said, the community needs. So, you know, obviously we want to enter our volunteer opportunities with confidence and things, but also we might be entering community or an organization or an issue area where we don't have that area of expertise. Sort of what's your um, recommendation about sort of striking the balance between overcoming fear and entering opportunities with confidence while still like like having the, sort of the humility to approach, um, you know, community and organizations in a way that's really productive for both sides?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is something I've thought a lot about. And I don't know that I have the, the quote unquote, right answers here. Um, but I think particularly as a white woman, uh, it's something I think about, you know, as I'm volunteering with different organizations or different communities, like, I don't, there's a lot I don't know, there's just a lot I don't know, and but I can still show up and ask questions and know that I don't know, <laughs> um, and not make that assumption that I I would know what's right for someone else or um, you know anything in in that. Like I can bring I can be confident in my own skills. And know that there's still a lot I don't know. And that asking questions, that humility, that that feeling of like I releasing yourself from that pressure of having to have the answers, I think is just a helpful thing to, to start out with, particularly if you are working with volunteering in a community that's not the community that you are familiar with or that you grew up in or even which with an organization um, that you aren't familiar with or, or, you know, intimately familiar with at that point when you start out. And so I think it is, you know, it's looking for those community needs, but but also um, that that balance, like you can be confident and know that you don't know everything. I actually think that's a sign of confidence (laughs) is knowing what you are good at and knowing what you're not like imposter syndrome or trying to overcome imposter syndrome is not about thinking you're good at everything. That's not, it's more of leaning into an accurate assessment of what you are actually good at and the skills and qualifications that you can bring. The other thing that I would say on that around looking for community needs is just looking for what's, out there. Like there's a lot of needs already out there. So whether that's on the hands-on Twin Cities website or what you're hearing, the needs that you're hearing from, from friends that are on boards or who are volunteering with different organizations, like, you don't have to create something of your own. Like there are a lot of needs already out there that need to be filled and you can step into them and, and lend your skills and, and your experiences to, to that.
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier about the idea, that you have moved from Minnesota to Colorado. And I'm curious, so you're kind of starting over right now. Um, Although, you know, we haven't let you go far, but um, (laughs) you know, when you enter a new community for those who maybe haven't been involved yet or this is kind of their fresh starting point, like what are some of the approaches that you're taking in a new community to thinking about how you're going to engage and where to begin in your journey?
1: Yeah, well, I'll I'll first say in case people are listening to this much later, we are recording this when we are still in the depths of COVID, <laughs> mo- moving towards the the light at the end of the tunnel with that. But I will say that that's definitely gotten in the way of, of building community in general, as I, I moved here several months ago. Um, but I will also say that I am, it's, it's not really an answer to your question, I'm going to answer it in a different way, in that I know in my life, I have had a tendency to Jump in headfirst and get really involved really quickly. Whether that is with um, you know volunteering or a spiritual community or even just friend commitments and things like that. And I'm really purposely trying to do that slowly as I move here and to build build what I want my life to be on purpose and not get into a commitment that ends up feeling overwhelming. Or ends up being something that you know maybe I'm not as aligned to the organization with my values as I wanted to be just because it sounded interesting and I wanted something to do so I jumped in with a big commitment, um, so I'm really taking it slowly and trying to build purposefully. Um, I also know that you know one of the reasons I moved to Colorado is I love the outdoors and as I look back on my volunteering experiences, particularly as an adult, I really loved volunteering with the Rivers Park District and getting to be at the Nature Center in North Minneapolis and in working with different um families and events and things like that. And it was just, it was really fun, but also I really believe in the power of getting kids and adults outdoors and having more outdoor time. And it's not something that I do in my day-to-day work at all. And so I I know longer term that I would love to get connected to a nature center here or, you know, hiking trips, where we're taking, you know, middle school or high school kids out um, on, you know, day hikes or things like that. So I have no idea what that looks like. I'm going to be completely honest. I can't even name an organization. Um, Um, Because I don't know what that would be. I think as we move into summer and as hopefully I get vaccinated (laughs) um, and, you know, the the things start to open back up um, and opportunities become both safer and more plentiful, that there will be a, a space there for me to get involved in that. But I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, for those who are listening who might be either you're new to a place or you just haven't. Explored volunteering before, or what you ha- how you want to get involved. Like, just start to talk to people to see what organizations are out there um, in your local area, and you know, see what aligns with your values. I have no doubt wherever you live, that there are great websites that can connect you to volunteering opportunities. Um, and just start to listen and see, like, what are the needs, and and it's. I think it's a really interesting way to learn about the community that you live in too. I mean, the town that I live in now is completely different from living in Minneapolis St. Paul. Like it's, it's just, it's a much smaller town. The, the community is completely different. It's, it's just a totally different arena. And so I don't want to bring, you know, all of my assumptions from Minneapolis St. Paul and think that it's exactly the same here, even though, you know, we're still in the United States and still kind of, you know, somewhat in the same region, it's a different area. And I don't know what the needs of the community are here. And so um, I have some learning to do.
0: I love that you're sort of giving yourself time and space and also being, you know, saying that you don't need to dive in head first. Um, You know, one of the things that you talk about in your book is about redefining success. So as we talked about, like, OK, some of us have this urge to volunteer because it's the right thing to do and it has to look this certain way. Can you talk about like what? You know, giving yourself the opportunity to define success for yourself in volunteerism and sort of how that can play out for people. It doesn't have to look the same for everybody.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And and it's going to be different levels of commitment showing up differently. For some people, that volunteering might just be monetary contribution. And that's wonderful. A lot of organizations really need money. (laughs) And so, you know, that's
0: (laughs) lots of organizations need money. There is
1: nothing wrong with that. Um, and so there's lots of different ways. To give, and you know, the equation that I put in my book was that success equals desire, or you know what you want, times being the person that you are, times impact and meaning. And so, you know, I, I thought of that equation looking at your life as a whole because it's not just what do you want to achieve and what's your five-year plan. Whether you're looking at your your career or your life as a whole, it's really looking at like what do you really want? What are, what's you, what do you desire? And owning what you actually want on a very personal level. And then the being side is who are you? You know, what are you on the, what is your core? What, how would other people describe you? What, who are you? And that aligns to your values, the contribution that you want to make. And then that impact and meaning is really What do you find fulfilling? Like, what is the what do you what do you want your work to be for? And when I say work, that could be anything in your life. But what do you really find purposeful? Where do you find meaning? So, not just happiness, but kind of that deeper level of of fulfillment that aligns to your values. How do you want people to feel? What are their causes out there that you are drawn to more than others? I think there's a lot of different ways to look at that. But most of us never stop and ask ourselves that question of just what do I really find meaningful and fulfilling? And when you know what that is, from a volunteering standpoint, you're going to be a lot more motivated to go. It's going to feel more fun. It's going to feel more purposeful and more fulfilling when when you are there. Um, you're going to be more likely to raise your hand and say, "Yeah, I'll step in and do that thing," or "I'll lead that thing," because you're really aligned to the mission of the organization or to the volunteer work that you are doing. And so, you know, I think you can take that step back and just ask yourself some of those really simple questions instead of just signing up for the things that come in through your email list, you know, Um, particularly if you want to do something that's a longer commitment. um, I think it's really good to ask yourself that question and, and to not worry about how other people define success. I think that's a really I mean that's a big part of my book is connecting to your own personal definition. And I I fully believe that when we let go of these rules that we've been taught that might say, this is what you need to do in your career and this is what you need to do for a board and this is what the person that you need to be in the house that you need to have. And when you when you check all those boxes, then you are a success. No, I believe that when we really define success on our own terms for our life as a whole, that that's actually when things change because we are automatically going against the status quo when we just stop and ask ourselves those questions because what the world is telling you is success typically is the status quo. And so when we just take that time to look inward first before acting externally, you are almost automatically going to be creating a greater impact and moving towards change even if you're not purposely like out there being a revolutionary, um, it gives you that greater opportunity to to move the world in a direction that I believe it needs to move.
0: Absolutely. And those are the stories that I love the most are the ones from people who have truly found those volunteer opportunities that like align with you know, what they want, where they are in life and like the gratitude and just the life-changing experience of those opportunities. That's just, you know, what drives me to continue doing this work at Hands On Twin Cities because you're like, oh my gosh, we've found the sweet spot for everybody, for the organization, for the volunteer. And uh, that's really a motivating, inspiring Thing that I, I completely
1: agree. And actually, it's interesting because I originally got connected through Hands on Twin Cities because I had reached out to the organization because I was really interested in this crossover between people and employee development. And volunteering. So I had reached out to several different organizations because I was working for a company at that time and I wanted to see can we bring this into our company? Like, can we do more of this, like, you know, over this overlap between employee development and volunteering? Because it felt like there was just a huge opportunity here. And that's how I ended up getting connected to Hands on Twin Cities and then becoming a board member was because of originally my own passion and interest that then happened to align really well with Hands on Twin Cities. And particularly, where Hands On Twin Cities has gone since then, with the high emphasis on pro bono volunteer work and, and, you know, all the impact days that you're doing and connecting individuals and organizations to skills-based opportunities that are out there. Um, so it's just been really fun to even see, like, my original motivation in getting connected with Hands On Twin Cities and how much more the organization has done in that arena in the last several years. And it's just, it's really exciting work.
0: Well, your leadership has definitely played a part in it, and we're very excited to see sort of those synergies all come together. Um, Heather, just a last question for you. So, you know, this episode is kind of about finding your why. Um, How do you, you know, what advice do you have um, beyond what you've already shared to people about finding their why, taking the step um, getting over the hump, letting go of expectations, and uh, and taking the step to volunteer.
1: Well, so I, I first want to just pause and say don't put pressure on yourself because I think there is so much pressure to find your one why, your one passion, your your mission in life as a whole. And some people do find that. Some people have a mission or this one cause or this one thing that they're going to be passionate about for their entire lives. I know I personally searched for that for probably 12 years and kind of felt like there had to be that one thing out there. And if I didn't find it, then that was on me. And I needed to be constantly searching for that one thing. And then when I was probably in my early 30s, I realized... I was never going to find one thing because that is just simply not my personality. Like I am not singular in anything that I do. And so I think instead of kind of flipping the script and instead of saying like, what's my, what's my big, why is just saying like, what am I curious about where, what aligns to what's important to me? Where do I feel drawn to? what makes me really happy and joyful, and also what makes me really angry and upset. And some of those questions can lead you towards uh, volunteering with the right organizations or lead you towards a certain cause or arena um, that doesn't necessarily have to be what you're going to do in the volunteering space for the next 20 years. It might be a place that you can contribute for six months or for a year or to go in and explore and, and then say, okay, yeah, I've contributed here. I've learned. And you know, now, now it's time for me to move on and do something else, a different place where I can contribute. So I would say, take the pressure down <laughs> um, and ask yourself some of those questions just around curiosity, joy, anger, and values, and see where that leads you. Because inevitably, whether we're talking about volunteering or your career or a hobby, or business. Once you take one step, you're going to learn about a lot of other things that are out there, and that's going to open the next door for you and show you where the next right step is to be. So you don't have to have it all figured out at the beginning. Just take one step at a time, explore where you're curious, and see where it leads. See what feels good, and see where you can have um, high impact and high contribution.
0: Excellent advice. Well, we were so glad that your uh, direction led you towards Hands On Twin Cities. We've uh, grown so much as an organization under your leadership. Um, we just thank you so much, Heather, for everything that you do in the space of helping people overcome this imposter syndrome and feel like they're letting go of perfection and, um, you know, taking these steps and applying them within the volunteer space. I think it's a super helpful, easily translatable Um way to think about how to approach volunteerism.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tracy, for having me. This has been a wonderful conversation and I'm honored to be your first podcast guest.
0: Heather is so energizing. As we discussed, there are so many ways that you can get involved. Some questions that you might want to ask yourself are, what kind of role is most appealing to you? What kind of time commitment do you want to make? What kind of issue or cause do you want to get involved in? Spend some time really thinking about your answers to these questions. You might be surprised to see a pattern emerge based on what you're reading, following, or seeking out. When you have these answers in mind, head on over to handsontwincities.org, and you can use the filters to search out opportunities that align with what you're looking for. Easy breezy. For more about Heather, check out the episode notes or the details on the Hands On Twin Cities website. Definitely check out her book, An Overachiever's Guide to Breaking the Rules, How to Let Go of Perfect and Live Your Truth. I took so much from it, and I hope you do too. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about Hands-On Twin Cities and to follow us on social media, head to our website. Redefining Volunteerism is a production of Matriarch Digital Media, executive producer Twila Dang, and producer and editor Beth Gibbs. And special thanks to Sarah Edwards, Grace McAvoy, and Ella Cochran from Some Great People. Let's get out there and be the change. Together, we can build a more equitable and thriving community.